0: That the meaning of koinonia is fellowship, association, community. It's basically sharing something in common. So, what is it that's special about our sharing and, and sharing Jesus as a church together? Uh, we, we started by talking about uh, that this, the, the, the new community that God has given us. We are a people, as it says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is here. So the new good news about this new creation oh, by the way, sorry guys, I'm, I'm looking at my old uh, note. I'm going to open my new one. There it is. OK. No wonder. I was like wondering, why was it okay? Or right, charge your person next to you and say, uh, just uh, share something nice about them right now. Just look at them. Just yeah, yeah, something very nice about, it. yeah, OK. <laughs> I love your mask. All right. All right. Okay, back to me now. Sorry about that. So we want to focus on what it means to be community, right? We began last Sunday talking about that in this fellowship, we've all been made new, right? Not new on the outside, but new on the inside. We are completely different. And because what that means is the basic gift that God has given to us is the death and resurrection of Jesus. It became your death and my death, and his new life became your life and my life. This is the mystery, but also the blessing of the Christian faith. It's something that is a gift that God has given to you. Your old self that was dead in sin is now gone, is is put to death, has passed away, and God gave you a new identity, which is created in the likeness of God. So we are today created to be like Jesus Christ, okay? Okay. So we have the option, the blessing of putting off our old self and putting on the new self that God has given us. He has made us free. We're no longer slaves. So I gave this diagram last time that the old man who was not in Christ was, whatever, was belonging to the earthly, the sinful nature. We can, by the grace of Christ, by the death of Christ, we can say, you, my sinful nature, Adios, see you never again. You are dead, and we can take on the new self that is in Christ Jesus. That is the goal of God creating this community. That's what we share. And the good news beyond that is that that's also true for the entire world, right? No one in this world is now only seen through the worldly point of view as a sinner, as a fallen human being, but everyone is seen in the light of the gift that God has given. And so our job as a church is to be that light that shines and helps everyone to see that the gift that God has given to them, given to us of Christ's nature, is also available for them, that the light is in them also if they are willing to receive Christ. So today for our second part in Koinonia, We're looking at the uh, end of one of the most important books in the New Testament called the Romans. And so today we're going to talk about how Paul was addressing this church. And as you can see, this is a picture of what the church looked like. How does it look? Would you like to join this kind of church? Well, that's why Paul was very concerned, and he wrote a very nice book. If you guys uh, want an introduction to what Christian faith is, you start in the book of Romans to really understand what it is. But the quarrel, is, there's something interesting about the word quarrel, right? It's not just any fight. A quarrel is a heated uh, argument or disagreement. I'm sure we've all had it. But it's between people who are usually on good terms. It's people who are like in a family, among friends, people in the church, the same association, right? So he's talking to people in the church who all have believed in Christ Who all receive Christ. So everyone in Romans, in the Church of Rome, they are new creation, right? They understand that they're no longer sinners, that they are a child of God. But still they're fighting. How is that possible? How is it that people who are Christians are fighting? Can you imagine? Can you imagine people who believe in God arguing? Right? Aren't we supposed to be new people anyway? Aren't we supposed to be dead to our sin? Well, the truth is that whole process of becoming new, discovering your new identity in Christ is a process, okay? Just like a little baby, when they're born, they have a new identity, but they have to learn to walk. They have to learn to get stronger, to eat on their own, right? So what we're seeing in the Church of Rome in the Bible many times is churches in their infancy, right? They are believers or Christians, but sometimes, many times, they act just like the world, okay? But importantly, more importantly, what are they arguing about? Paul says they were arguing about disputable matters regarding their faith. There are matters in the church that are disputable and indisputable. Indisputable, undisputable, for example, are things about who is Jesus Christ. Did he die for us? Did he resurrect? The undisputable things are what is sin. They're obvious sin, like the Ten Commandments. Those are things you can't really argue about. The the sin is what it is. But there are matters in the, in the church that, are, that were, to these people, arguable, okay? And for the Romans, it was about, for them, it was about what is the right thing to eat or not, okay? And it's not a talk about what's the best diet, what's the best healthy thing. No, they were talking about eating things according to the law of God. What was the right thing to eat to please God or not? To the Jews, right, you might know, God listed a lot of things in the, in the law of what was good and what was wrong to eat. For example, no pork, no lobster. You can eat grasshopper, but you can't eat snails, et cetera, et cetera, It's very, very long and very, very specific on what it means to be holy. But then when the gospel came, right, so from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, now all of a sudden because of Jesus, it's no longer just the Jews who believe. It's not just the Jews who, who have been blessed, but the Gentiles, the people that the Jews for 5,000 years were taught to, taught to say no, to, to get away from, because they're unclean. Now, all of a sudden, they're worshiping together. So what do you do to these new people who are different than you in the church? Do you give a special section to them, uh, the sub room, the, the, the side room, right? Or do you invite them to the center of this new koinonia that Jesus died and gave his life for. So today, when the arguments were breaking out, this is what Paul tells to these people, the church in Rome, he says, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. So the one that um, does not eat everything Obviously, the Jews, the people who for, the, for 6,000 years knew that they were the chosen ones, they had the law to, go to, to worship God. And then those who eat everything were the Koreans, right? No. <laughs> they were the people who didn't, who weren't circumcised, who do not know who Moses was, who do not know who Abraham was, but they found Jesus. And they had equal acceptance into the kingdom of God, just like you and me, right? So Paul is saying, Number one, do not judge them. If they're different, do not show contempt. Why? The good news that we've been sharing is that for God has accepted them, right? Who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master's servant stand or fall and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. So in the fellowship, right, this koinonia of the church that the Romans were and so are we, when you encounter people who have arguably different faith perspectives so i'm not talking about people arguing like is jesus the lord or not i'm talking about people who first believe that jesus is lord but they have different perspective about other matters that pertain to living in jesus christ and following him it says our first response when you find someone who's different than you cannot be one of judging and treating them with contempt you know what is the word treating with contempt uh I actually had to look it up because I've heard it, but I didn't know. But it's actually a really bad word. Treating someone with contempt, it means to despise them. It's not just saying, oh, I don't agree with you. It's like saying, man, you are a bad person because of this, right? It actually literally means to reduce to nothing. <laughs> it's to push them away, to segregate, to isolate, to make them your enemy. To treat with someone with contempt is to say, what you believe, what you are saying, Because of that, you are nothing to me. And we all know what judging is, but what's scary about judging is that it's drawing conclusion about someone and limiting them to what your assumption is about that person. It's drawing uh, your your prejudice upon somebody. When you judge someone, we're disrespecting and we're going against God's own faith and perspective on the person. Because, again, that verse that we saw last, last Sunday, that we no longer consider anyone from a worldly point of view, there's not one person in this world that you can look and say, this person is hopeless. Because why? Jesus died for that person, and Jesus says, you and me can become a new person. So, therefore, we as human beings, we don't have the right anymore to look at anyone and say, you are hopeless. It would be like someone looking at my son uh, and, and, you know, coming to me, someone that I don't know him, him or her well or someone that doesn't know my son well. But imagine if they come to me and they're like saying, wow, your son, he's never going to be talented. <laughs> your son's never going to be taller than, you know, 150 centimeters. You know, these days my son's uh, learning how to jump. Uh, he's kind of early in his development and he gets about an inch off the ground. Right? It's really cute. Like his body, he doesn't know how to. He just jumps. But imagine someone says, like, yeah, yeah, your son, he's only going to be jumping one inch for the rest of his life, right? Imagine that's, how would you feel if someone would come to your son and say, oh, your son's never going to be good in math, yeah? Oh, he can't even write. He can't even eat, right? But that's exactly what we do when we look at anyone and judge them. Because we're saying what God thinks about you, his plans for you, his power to save you, his power to forgive you and to love you and to encourage you. That's not gonna to happen to you. I think God will be very angry at such a person. Exactly. That's why Paul is saying, do not judge the person who is different. Because why? At the end of the day, our role is never to judge, but is to allow God to be responsible for his own child, right? In the same way, when we look at God's, anyone of God's child, and we say to them, that where, your sins and where you are, your weakness and your brokenness is who you are. And to judge them in that, say that is final, that's a big problem with God. So therefore, uh, another, another uh, disputable matter that Paul talks about in this chapter is also, he says in the next verse, he says, One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. What this is specifically talking about is talking about Sabbath, right? Sabbath was another thing that was so important to Jews. You cannot work in, in the Sabbath, which is breaks to sundown from Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's the Sabbath, right? If you work on the Sabbath, you were killed, right? It was such a strict thing that God required. But then all of a sudden, after Jesus, there's no more temple, there's no more Sabbath worship, and all of a sudden people started worshiping every day. People started worshiping, not in the temple, but every, in every home. And not only Jews, not only people who didn't work, but the, as they were working, now work became worship to God. So obviously there was so much confusion. And then the Jews, they took the point of looking at these people who were different and started saying, you are a sinner. You need to repent. When the other side is like, no, Sabbath is over, right? Not just only Saturday, but it says whoever obeys Jesus now, every day is a Sabbath. Sabbath was about obedience. It wasn't about a time in a week. God redeemed the entire week for you to be a, a time of Sabbath. But of course, right? they were like, no, look what it says here in, 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 the, in the Deuteronomy. right? Look what it says. So they were fighting and all these things. But in this, again, in this disputable matters, what must we do? This is Paul's solution. So Paul is actually looking at these people fighting, these brothers and sisters, their same family. They're already saved. They're already Christians. They're already saints. They're already like Christ. But Paul is helping them and realizing, hey, you know what? Both of you guys are right, right? But that's not what's important. This is what he says. He speaks to these two different parties with different opinions. He says, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Meaning, if you believe that Sabbath is very important to God, then you keep it to God. Not not for the sake of showing off or not for the sake of trying to convince others, but so that you can give it to the Lord. He says here, Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Friends, how did you come into this koinonia? How did you come to share in eternal life? How did you come to share in the kingdom of God? How did you come to share in the righteousness of God? It wasn't by the help of any person. It was Jesus. So we owe everything we do and we believe to God. And some of you guys may be convinced that I need to pray every day. Well, you do it to the Lord. And the person who doesn't pray every day at the church, you don't go to them and say, Hey, you, listen to me. Look what I do. Look what you're doing. You're bad. I'm good. You know, repent. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not how Jesus Christ brought you into the kingdom of God. Let's talk about how Jesus brought you into this koinonia, and we will understand this. So again, we are accountable first to God in the church. Do not forget that in the church, our job is to not to look around and see how can other people become more like me. No. Our first role as Christians is to be thankful to God and to live our lives in every way, whether you're eating meat because you believe it's the right thing, whether you do not eat meat because you want to follow the Old Testament law, you do that unto the Lord. He is the focus of this community. So, Paul continues by saying, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? He's, again, talking to people who are already Christians, already received the grace of God, right? But they just have different cultural or practices, okay? He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Paul is saying, your role is not to fix people, to change people. God's going to do that, and each person's going to be responsible before God. God is the only judge that puts the gavel down and says, you're in or you're out, right? And he says, says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account to ourselves, to God. So as we live, the first focus of this sharing koinonia, our role is to live before God. All of your gifts, all of your practices, your heart as you grow into this image of God again is to say, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. That's the first, right? So in the God's koinonia in the church, before we judge, which means determining someone's condition as we see it to be final, and before we despise people, who are different than us, cutting them off and reducing them to nothing, we leave that role to God. There should be no gavel in our hands. No one in this community can have a gavel and say, you are done, right? You are, uh, you are judged and you're wrong in what you're doing. So the first rule in, the, in, in God's fellowship, when the church comes to an agreement, an argument, again, this is disputable matters. I'm not talking about someone who says, you know, I don't believe in Jesus." Well. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll be here until you do, right? But once you say, I do believe in him, we have to be fearing God first. So here it says, he continued by saying, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves for by whoever, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Faith is about The relationship with God, right? That's the first thing that we fight for. So then here's the question, then. Okay, if if that's not if our role is not to judge, then what do we actually have to do? This is what it says. In Romans 15:7, this is instead of judging, what, what Paul is encouraging us to do instead. He says, accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. What makes the church church? is that we're a place where we don't judge people, where we realize that our pursuit is to live before God because we're going to live before God's judgment, okay? That takes care of all the stupid things and all the bad things we do. Don't worry about it. If you pursue God, right, you don't have to teach the person what's right. God himself will discipline his child. That My son, he's my responsibility, okay? No one has to ever come to my life and say, oh, your son's, you know, whatever. No, no, be quiet. Okay, he's my response It's the same way. We're all God's children. We have to trust that God is doing it, but instead, now what do we do for each other is to accept one another and to just like Christ accepted us. That's our role. Friends, today I, I talk about an ancient history, right? We're talking about people who this is not our context. We don't we don't we're not Jews. We're not talking about a circumcision or no circumcision. That was a big deal back then. But we're talking about today a community of people who also believe in God, we also share in the love of Christ, we all understand God's forgiveness, but have we had issues that are disputable among us that sometimes stops the work of God, that sometimes divides the church and makes us, instead of people who work together, fight against each other? What are some of these things? It's a sad truth, but the reason why there's so many denominations is a result of that, right? Presbyterian, uh, Anglican, Methodists, right, Uh, Assemblies of God. Some of it is just beautiful history. They just, you know, never had the chance to cross paths. Like some started in England, some started in Germany, some started in, like, uh, um, California. These are beautiful movements, but many of it is also because of fights, preference. It it may be be kind of sad for you, but some people believe that to be baptized, you have to be fully in the water. That just praying for them and putting the water on their head, that's a sin. (laughs) <laughs> and so you have people who are so set on, you have to dunk them in the water to fully baptize. Or there's, there's, there has been churches that said, you know, there is no drums allowed, right? No, no, no electric guitar, right? No guitar, only organ and piano, right? I, honestly, these are things that are kind of funny, right? Because it doesn't matter which one you do, right? It matters that you understand who Jesus is and that you have received his grace, maybe more contemporary to us is I've seen this in the church. They can't believe that you're a Christian and that you are a Republican or that you're a Christian and you're a Democrat. You watch CNN. You watch Fox. You got the vaccine. You didn't get the COVID vaccine. These are things that shouldn't matter at the the end of the day, but somehow they've caused us to despise each other, caused us to actually put labels on people, and to stay away, right? It's so easy to see in the church that even in the church we see people who are like gang mentality, right? You stay with your friends, right? You stay with people who like you, who, who, who do the same thing, and we're so unable to become people who accept each other even though they're different. So therefore, Paul is talking to such people that to not let anything hinder you from the work of God, right? Whether you believe uh, one way is right or one one preference is right, the important thing for us is to continue together doing the work of God, which is receiving Christ and also sharing Christ in the world. But when we start to... Uh, uh, despise one another when we start to treat each other with contempt and judging each other in, which means here 's a problem of judging is that it cuts of communication and dialogue right we see this in the world we the church cannot be like the world. the world we see very clearly is that people already have their stance and their judgment and their fight against each other is literally just you know to bring the other person down as the enemy right there 's no Venue that we see this world preach, the message of a preaching of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Everyone's just trying to st- put what they believe and to say that anyone that doesn't believe as I believe is wrong. But the church is the one place where you can bring your preferences, your cultures, your practices, and together, if we claim Jesus as our Lord and our, as our identity, now we can understand each other. Why you are a Democrat. What part of Democrat policies you like and we can share and we can talk about that without fighting and without drawing conclusion about somebody else therefore we don't label each other. the only label we have of each other is that you are a child of God that you are loved and that you are blessed in Christ so here we go Instead of judging and instead of treating each other with contempt in the church, this is what we have to do instead. He says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Remember, Paul said, if you have an opinion about how to worship God in your particular way, you keep it to yourself. You don't try to convert each other to your particular way of denomination or whatever. You do that sacredly before God. But your role is to make sure each person is able to come to God in a way that is free and in a way that is helpful to the person. Here it is. He defines it this way. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's no longer about what's right or wrong. There's only one thing the kingdom of God is about. It's about Jesus. It's about everyone Becoming new in Jesus Christ. It says, but instead of God, how do we know the kingdom of God is here? There's going to be righteousness, which means restoring to God, reconciliation of right relationship with God, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do I know if we're on the right path? There's peace and there's joy in the house of God. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. All right. So to conclude this time, Paul says in Romans fifteen five, 6, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we will continue to discover, number one, our own personal identity, our own personal acceptance in God, but to live in that place of changing our mentality where we are able to accept people who are different than us. Because why? We believe that God is working on them. right? God is working on me. God is working on them. So we are all encouraging each other to uh, continue in, in, the, in the ways of God. So finally, he says, he, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, Paul does say this, right? He does say it is right that you can eat anything, right? The old law is over. In fact, he also said, right, even, even the thing about worshiping on Sabbath, right? Paul says the law has been fulfilled. We're supposed to live daily with God. We don't just worship God on one day a week, right? That's, that's the inferior way, right? But Paul says if somebody... He's he's saying that I had the strong faith. I know that. I know what it means to be living by the Holy Spirit. But if somebody does not know yet, I I don't judge them. I don't condemn them. I don't keep them away. But in fact, I allow them to come in. And my role is to serve them. And my role is to love them regardless. Friends, nowhere in the Bible does it say you should come to church and you should demand people to love you. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes that's kind of what we do. We come in here and we say, okay, who is worthy of my 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 approval right the command that god has given to all of us is to love he has the blood of jesus has made each one of you powerful so that you can be a person that can love instead of demanding that people accept you and 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 uh, and love you, love you instead the key to all of this of how we can become people who uh, are able to accept jesus accept others as Christ has accepted us is the word gratefulness. If we truly understand, the more we think about how God brought us into his kingdom without condition, without requirement, without pay, how he richly forgave us and how, how much suffering he did for us, if we can just focus on that, it is inevitable that you do the same to others. right? We are, our, the church has to be defined not with people who just gather around people who believe the same thing about you and, and, and live in the same way as you, but are people who are set on being thankful to God and therefore living a life of accepting all people and encouraging people to pursue Jesus Christ together. Gratefulness becomes the root for generosity, godliness, greatness, right? But the opposite of of, of it is the poverty, the bitterness, the small-mindedness, the, the bickering and the fighting that has no end. So I just want to close with reminding us that our faith, our life is headed towards an ultimate celebration, right? That the way that the world is going to end for all of us is not sadness, it's going to be the greatest joy and, and celebration. And I pray that in the church, as we get rid of this selfish ambitions and, and this competition and this uh, 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 arguing about things that really do not matter, I pray that we become people who have nothing but to offer to others but the joy and celebration of having Jesus and of accepting each other so we can all share in the, in the beauty of Jesus Christ together. So let's pray together at this time. So God, I'm asking this day, Lord, that you would help us, first of all, to see our own condition of our own hearts. That none of us be people who are sitting in this place thinking we're better than someone and judging others. But Lord, help us to have the mind that Jesus Christ had. That we are, Lord, just uh, so excited, that we are so driven to accept people, to get to know people because we want to love people, Lord. Let that become what this church is about. And let anyone that comes in here, Lord God, be able to find Jesus. Let them smell Jesus from the grateful hearts that we possess. So Father, help us to experience your love in a deeper way in this year as a community and help us to change our lives from being a place of judging and showing contempt to people who learn to love as you did. Teach us about reconciliation. Teach us about the power of forgiveness. Help us to practice this new way of life together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.